Welcome, boys and girls, men and women, children, elderly, reptilians, and mole people, to the fourth surprise episode of Bad History, History Hangouts. History Hangouts! History Hangouts! My name is Dave. My name's Steven. And today we are going to be (laughs) taking you on a magical voyage Back to around the 1800s, the 1900s, and today. The greatest hits from the 18s, the 19s. On a 30-disc cassette collection. 30-disc set. 30-cassette disc collection. We're talking about imperialism. Well, apparently... What do you mean? Apparently, you picked it. No, I did, but we, we kind of like we got. Like, We're talking about imperialism this week. We're rail. talking about imperialism this week, Stephen. Yeah, brief them. Where are we? We're together. Yeah. So, <laughs> tell them. Tell the people. All right. So, history hangouts. As I motion towards the people, towards the camera. <laughs> so, history hangouts. If this is your first time tuning into a history hangout. What this is, is this is, you know, every, like, like few eight months, months it feels every like. Eight months. Every, every few months, when Dave and I have a chance to get together and take some time to record an episode, we do a history hangout, which just means we're in the same room right now. Yay. Yeah. Dave's the super excited. You can't tell. The smells. What? The smells. The smells? You smell. Oh, okay. Thanks. I didn't say you smell bad. Oh, okay. Well, we all smell. That's why we have noses. That's why we have noses. So we can smell things. It's one of our eight senses. We have eight senses? Yeah. <laughs> so the sixth sense is seeing, but seeing dead people. Right. The seventh sm- sense is smelling dead people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, eighth, the eighth sense? Eighth sense is smelling each it's other's touching dead people. Smells. Oh, wait a minute. This person's not dead. <laughs> no, that's just the third <laughs> sense. Reel it on back. All right. Uh, Do so- you mean touching like dead bodies or like touching a ghost? Yes. <laughs> anyway. Oh, anyway. Shit. This week we're talking about a very special topic. All right, I'm gonna take over. I'm fucking <laughs> taking the reins here. It's imperialism. We're talking about imperialism, which is interesting because this is the first history hangout. I mean, this is number four. This is number so four it's not the first history hangout. <laughs> well, no. Let me finish. This is the first history hangout where we're talking about an idea more so than an actual event. So. The first history hangout we did, we talked about the Civil War. The second history hangout was World War II. The third one was the French Revolution. This one, we're kind of talking about an idea more so than an event. I mean, this it's, is it's conceptual history. Right. This is the worst part of AP Euro. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Take it from someone who got a five. <laughs> Finger pistol. <laughs> So we're talking about uh, imperial, which is not a funny topic. Like we shouldn't be laughing this much when we're talking about. You gotta laugh to keep yourself from crying. That's true, especially if you are like you know a European history expert or like an African history expert. It's pretty rough. It's not a fun time in history. history. So imperialism is more so a collection of events that take place over the course of a few hundred years. Uh, And I mean, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. As a concept, imperialism is sort of like ethereal. Imperialism, of course, is like sure. a hegemon being like an empire, being imperial, taking over other hegemons and exploiting them in like a very Oxford, Webster's sort of 
definition. But the imperialism that we're talking about is sort of like... uh, We're talking about like European imperialism. We're talking about American imperialism, particularly in lesser developed uh, sort of nations or non-nations yet kind of thing to do. Yeah. No, no, no. I know for sure. Because I think... Because you're totally right. Imperialism, if we're looking at like the strict definition... It's just like a term. It's just a term that describes... So we can... We could talk about the imperialism of the Roman Empire. You know what I mean? Fucking... But we're talking about the the imperialism that took place uh, in the 1800s through... I mean, we could even say present because we're still feeling the repercussions of... We're still feeling the repercussions, but there is also actual imperialism no for sure <laughs> for sure and i think dave mentioned a really good point before we started recording and we'll talk about this more but i think it's we can t- we can kind of drop this kind of drop the mic here but we, we can kind of drop this right now uh that now we kind of have more economic imperialism which which we definitely had during the 1800s and 1900s but now it's almost more econ- it's more economic than yeah, we live in like a more globalized society where you know it's a lot harder to get away with more traditional imperialism. Right. You know what I mean? We have like committees, and we have like the UN, and we have NATO, and we have the Hague, and all these like backup things to keep you from just like invading an African country for its diamonds. Right. That's not to say that shit doesn't happen, <laughs> but like it's usually less, uh, you know obvious than it was in the past. Right. And we're going to talk about that shit right now. Go, Stephen, imperialism. Okay, so before we start, let's start about the origins of what we traditionally think of when we think of imperialism. So we're thinking about things like social Darwinism. We're thinking of things like nationalism. We're thinking all, all these isms, right? And so the 1800s is really characterized by this the, the era of isms. So things like nationalism, socialism, Marxism. Uh, capitalism, Marxism, uh, you know, like the list is, is long and long and like isms. You can keep going on and on. So, so traditionally we think of social Darwinism. Social, social Darwinism, I think a lot of people have heard of this term. A lot of people have a pretty decent understanding of what this means. Social Darwinism is this idea that there are some people who are inherently better than others. There are people uh, in the human race who are inherently more developed they're smarter. They're they're the superior superior be- beings, and social Darwinism. You, the people take that idea and say, "Well, it's our duty as a superior beings to go into a country and modernize it." In air quotes, this is where a bunch of uh, sort of like modern pseudo scientific endeavors, like phrenology and eugenics, right, kind of blend with more traditional evolutionary theories, like natural selection and uh you know genetic mutation right Um, and and it becomes very politicized and the reason it becomes politicized is because these governments of uh i guess we would call them at the time more developed uh nations and more developed of course is extremely relative we're talking of course in terms of like uh technology and Pretty much, that's the that's the defining feature, right? These are the interests of these um, states. You know, they they're like, oh, we need to you know make it obvious that what we're doing isn't purely evil. So we have to hide behind these sort of isms that we created right. now, and that's kind of how they went about doing it. Because if you were just like 
a rando English fella, you know, in the 1800s. It's very different today, but let's just say you're most likely white. Mm-hmm. You're most likely of a sort of Anglo-Saxon heritage. You speak English. You're a Christian. Um, you're lower to middle class, depending on where you live. You know, your occupation could vary like right. drastically. But you don't get a lot of, um, you know, what you perceive um, different cultures and races is very uh, is very biased, and like that bias is controlled by your government essentially. Right, for sure. And if you only see representations of black Africans as being these like inept, physically deformed kind of. You know, racially insensitive, almost quasi uh, like apes. You know, I mean, all humans are apes, but but like you know, almost you know, like you Animal, know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like yeah. more bestial. Right. Then that's all you're gonna know, and that's right. what you're gonna believe. So when the government says, "Hey, we're invading this part of Africa because they got you know something we need," and you know those people, they're not using it, and we'll probably bring like culture and and like food and medicine and right. music and all this to them. You're like, yeah, why not? Of course not. That sounds fine. But then, of course, the reality of the situation is there's like genocide yeah. and like de facto slavery and all and then this. real like actual honest to god slavery and then, yeah <laughs> real slavery and uh, a bunch of other terrible bullshit right and bef- that, go, ahead, go ahead oh no i was gonna say before we before we really start digging into things because there are lots of things i want to touch on here i think we need to keep setting up the scene a little bit you want to um, do the three you want to talk about the three and then we're going to focus on the third one um, yeah, why don't you why don't you say because those were your three that you okay. came up with on So like, we're we're gonna kind of focus on three specific forms of uh, imperialism, as you call them, as I call them, as we call them, as they are called by name. Um, so, and these are the more prevalent nineteenth and twentieth century forms of imperialism, and there there's lots of different types of imperialism. Yeah. Imperialism is a concept that we can apply to all. Forms of just governmental relationships. You know what I mean? Um, but the ones we're talking about specifically are very apparent in the United States, <clears throat> in Japan, and then in sort of uh, Western Europe. Uh, we're going to focus much more on the Western Europe one because that's uh, the kind of big one. I mean, they're all big, but it's the one that we, like, you know, we know a lot about, and you probably know more about. It's the one with all the books and shit. So, um, first off is the United States, right? So, the United States imperial policy um, is kind of an interesting story, because first, the United States kind of had to just, like, imperialize itself and become a country, you know, from Maine to California, or whatever you want to call it, and... uh, that was very much its own like imperialistic rampage on the natives and that's that's like kind of a different story but we're talking more about like economic imperialism here we're talking about uh you know the united states sort of forcing smaller or lesser developed economies into playing their game you know sometimes with military force uh, this is really apparent, especially when the United States just sort of unlocked Japan by force yeah. to the world market. And we're going to see how that fucking turned out. 
<laughs> and then, of course, you've got, you know, the, um, the sort of Cold War imperialism of the United States. We had a lot of interest in sort of pulling uh, Central and South American countries into the fold, right. uh, as well as, you know, uh, like East Asian countries. You know, what is the whole Vietnam War about? I don't know, but the soundtrack was really good. (laughs) Um, And, like, it's sort of like a policy kind of imperialism where America has this big old economy and their enemy has a big old economy. And it looks at all these other little economies and says, you don't want to join that big old economy over there. You want to join our economy. And we're going to put in some uh, Contra... Guys, we're gonna send in some, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger ass motherfuckers <laughs> to kill Predator yeah, and, to uh, and save you. To come in, to come and save you. That's They're gonna the, liberate you yeah, from your the, own economic so identity. Yeah. So a lot of what American imperialism was, especially uh, post World War II American imperialism, was for I think I think in general American imperialism for people who grew up in America is kind of warped because we never really learned too much about it in school. It's just not something that's really taught. Like I, I remember being very shocked that America was considered an imperialist country at at some point in my education. And I was like, I never really thought about America as an imperialist country when it very much was. You also just got to think about, um, you know, America did it behind this really strange veil. So, the Philippines is a really good example where it was a war with Spain in which we just like happened to gain the Philippines as like a de facto territory for a while. Right. And then you also look and you, you read these lists of places that the United States is really closely associated with, um, but they're not quite states, right? So you get like Hawaii, which was a straight, you know, American imperial kind of takeover uh and then you have what which eventually gained statehood of course and then you have places like american samoa you know like why the fuck do we care about that all the way out there you know puerto rico all these sort of states question mark that don't really have a star on the flag right but are just as much in the fold essentially you know what i mean yeah and and that's how america that's how america does it um, that's how dad did it. That's how dad did it. That's how America does, America it. does it. There's another part to that that I forgot. That's okay. Uh, yeah, and 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 so America and, and the United States did, was imperialist, like you said, under this veil of almost of, like like they were like they they had a veil of like philanthropy almost you know what i mean like oh that's i mean that's that's like yeah that's like the united states mo for everything yeah it's like dude we're doing this to help you do you need us over there do you need all that oil i mean you got that evil dictator bro yeah but you don't need that oil when we we take over and a, a lot of a lot of uh especially with things like the truman doctor in 1947 that pretty much said if any country is coming under the threat of communism, the United States is going to come help them. And it's like this whole idea on the domino effect where if one country falls to communism, other countries around it are going to fall to communism. And it's this idea that people as a whole, human beings as a whole, need democratic societies. 
they need a society that's ruled by the people. Like that's what's good for everybody, and that's what this idea is. I mean, because we're, we're democratic, we we're, we're a democrat democratic country. We're the the first true democracy in the world. We are. We had to convince we had to convince the whole rest of the country that that we were Dude, that we're democracy re- was the right, right thing to do. I think we're more of a republic. Yeah, but we are, are under the veil of democracy. We formed our country as a democratic society. It doesn't matter what we are, what it turned out to be. When we revolted against Britain, Thomas Jefferson had to convince the rest of the world that what we were doing was right and that we were forming a democratic society, and that was the best thing. We're imperialist under the idea that everyone should be democratic, and so that we're going to go into countries like Vietnam and Korea and help them, in quotes, like throw off the communist aggressors. With the idea that democracy is better for them than communism. And uh, whether it's true or not, it's still it's this idea that we're doing something that's good for you. Because it's good for us, it's going to be good for you. Which I think ties into a lot of what imperialism is. Especially with, um, I think I think America, that's America's MO. But that was certainly one of the big excuses for imperialism by... Uh, countries like Japan and Britain and Germany and uh, Belgium and France. Well, you mentioned Japan. Yeah. Let's talk about Japan. Because Japan is kind of like um, the further end of that that spectrum. So the 20th century saw Japan emerge as like this intense uh, imperial, uh, an imperialist empire. Right. Um, And that was our fault. It was our bad because Japan was like, we want to be isolated and we like our things. We like doing our stuff. So stay away. And we yeah. said, nah, fuck that. And then they became the quickest industrialized nation in history yeah. by fucking just doing shit. And they built boats and they beat Russia. And then they were like, you know what? Let's fucking take over this bitch. So <laughs> Japan, um, back then, I'm not saying anything now about the Japanese uh, people or their culture or anything. Like we said, this is all in the past. But Japan had this almost um, racial obligation. You know, they thought they were uh, better than all of the other kind of Pacific Asian uh, entities. And that they were the strongest and they deserved it and they should have it. So they started conquering islands and moving into mainland China and fucking all shit up in Manchuria and all this shit. And um, that was kind of the basis for their imperialism. Like, it was like, they deserved it. Yeah. They were the best ones. They needed it. And, and, you know, Japan is kind of, you know, coming out of this very warrior-dominant culture at this point, you know? And it lingers a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of understand the zeitgeist there. Um, You you know, people say, like, you're African because, like, you know, you're whatever. But Africa is thousands and thousands and thousands of different, uh, like, ethnicities and, you know sociolinguistic groups and cultural linguistic groups and ethno-linguistic groups and and it's like very different and Asia is the exact same way where like people from certain parts of Vietnam and people from certain parts of Laos or people from certain parts of Korea and China and Japan they all self-identify you know right. almost like Italians <laughs> you know like hey I'm Sicilian it was like hey I'm Genoese hey I'm Venetian but uh 
the Japanese thought they were the best. So that's why they fucking did that shit. Yeah. So they were like fucking killing everybody and shit. And that was kind of uh, the height, you know, in World War Two, when they were a de facto, not even a de facto, I keep saying de facto. An Axis power? They were a empire. Oh, they, they were, were an empire. like yeah. imperial. It was the empire of Japan. China, yeah, of Japan. And they were doing imperial, imperial shit Japan. all over China. And that's why those two aren't so good friends now. No, and they, I mean, like, <laughs> they committed, yeah, they, they committed some like, Fucked up some shit. Some really, really bad stuff. They did some really bad stuff. Like, there's some great primary sources. And when I say great, I mean just, like, very awful. detailed primary sources. <laughs> very, very awful things to read about some of the things they did to the Chinese. And just, it's gruesome and horrible. And So, yeah, there that's the difference between the Japanese form of imperialism in the 20th century which is very prevalent if you study imperialism and United States imperialism. But the one that you might be most familiar with um, is sort of this Western European imperialism uh, in Africa, in South America, in uh, Asia. And a lot of things predicated this to make it happen. The big one, of course, being just like the development of navigational technologies, the age of exploration being a few hundred years old, um, and then this extreme sense of nationalism that we talked about. This followed up with the evolutionary theories of social Darwinism and eugenics and all that stuff really brought on the economic uh, kind of excuse to exploit these lesser developed areas, states, nations of the world and kind of fuck the people over historically where we see the effects today and in beyond. Right. Yeah. So I. Uh, so my my my, whole, my theory when it comes to imperialism by Western Europe is is this idea that you, you mentioned nationalism, which I think is which is is definitely important when you're thinking about imperialism in the 1800s. But what's really interesting is is a lot of a lot of people living in Europe that weren't didn't have. Uh, positions in the government weren't nobility. Their nationalism more lied in, more kind of lies in this local nationalism where you talked mentioned Italy, yeah. where where uh, Italians were very much very much felt less Italian and more so like Sicilian, right or Roman. Uh, the same can be is true with a lot of countries in Europe. Most countries in Europe actually, they're they feel much more. Uh, they feel not so much either German or Belgian or French, but more so like Paris. They feel Parisian. They they there's this great sense of connection to their immediate surroundings as opposed to their larger country, and uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they had some say over what happened in their local community. Government was very very hard to get into for anyone who wasn't nobility or wasn't born into a position of power uh, people even if you had even if you were extremely wealthy you you had a really really hard time getting some sort of political position and having a say in what happened in your country and this kind of all boils over in the, the revolutions of 1848 in which people wanted us wanted their voice to be heard more, more than it was and so because of that, they revolt. And a lot of people think that the revolutions of 1848 were, an, were a failure 
because of the fact that no major changes uh, occurred at that time. And but but this is a whole nother thing. But really, my point is that imperialism the was able to happen because you had a few a small group of people who, like you mentioned, if your government says this is what uh, an African looks like, or this right, is right. what someone from the Congo looks like, or someone from South and America. And we have, right. like, extant copies of these, like, horrible political comics, almost, like, from Punch, or, like, other mainland European, uh, like, newspapers, and they're just, like, super racist, but a lot of people don't know you know, there's this, like, weird cultural thing that I'm not super familiar with in, like, England and Scotland. They're called, like, gollywomps or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. They're, like, these um, commercialized, like, uh, African people with, like, the big red lips and the white, like, Mr. Popo kind of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, they're just, like, they're just, like, they're fucking hella racist, but people are just like, yeah, whatever, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> that shit would not fly in America. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 not at all. And I, and, so when you have a small group of people who are making the decisions for a very, very large group of people, they tend to get away with more things than if you had a large group of people making a decision for the large group of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I think... Because this big question of why did why was imperialism, as we see it in the 1800s, why were, was that allowed to happen? Why, I mean, this is this is 1900s imperialism, but I think of the Battle of Algiers with the French going into Algiers and pretty much slaughtering, slaughtering them and putting like like massively putting down this rebellion. Of the natives of Al- of of Algiers, of of the native people in their own homeland, who were trying to advocate for their own rights, and the French coming in and saying, "No, we have to put this down. We have to take con- keep control over this country," even though we know that didn't last very long. Even though we know the French had to bail from from Algiers, same as the French had to bail from Vietnam, and. But why? Yeah, what's up with the French just giving up on shit, dude? Because <laughs> <laughs> no, just but, kidding. You uh, guys are great. Yeah, I just went to Quebec. It was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> that's the same thing. You know those of. fucking Canadians taking over Africa, <laughs> getting those diamonds. <laughs> but uh, but and and one interesting point about imperialism is that. No one ever made money on imperialism. No country ever made money. They were spending exponentially more money keeping their keeping their power there. And that's why modern imperialism is much more political and economic. It's right. Much less military and uh you know just fucking like taking over with an army and stuff. Um there are so we're talking about imperialism, we're talking about this stuff. Let's just like fucking say it. Yeah. So, like, imperialism in this Western European sense, and, like, we, we have a lot of Western European listeners, and, like, they know, and, and, like, America was just as bad, but, like, they straight up went to these places and said they were theirs, and because they had a technological advance over the native peoples there, be it in uh, Asia, be it in Africa, be it in the Caribbean... They were just like, no, your shit is our shit now, and this is part of our country. 
the you know the famous the most famous dude the Cecil Rhodes men <laughs> the De Beers diamond guy to this yeah. very day that company um, he wanted the British influence essentially the British Empire to stretch the entire length of Africa he the you know the famous line was from Cape meaning the Cape Colony in South Africa to Cairo which is of course Egypt Egypt and um, this was uh, the sentiment of all these European countries. There was land grabbing, land snatching. Right. Fucking just sending in all you got, claiming what you could. And this really kind of boiled down and, uh, and is sort of contracted in this famous conference in uh, 1884 and 1885 called the Berlin Conference. Now, the Berlin Conference is one of the single most important events in modern history. Uh, if you if you look at an African country's situation currently, if it's not so great, um, you can essentially trace it all back to the Berlin Conference. So the Berlin Conference was um, this sort of committee of uh, powers. Uh, the list says the people there uh, were Austria-Hungary, Belgium, Denmark, France, the German Empire, Italy, the Netherlands, the Ottoman Empire, Portugal, Russia, Spain, uh, Sweden, which was Sweden-Norway at the time, the UK, and the United States, even though they uh, did not accept the conclusions of the conference. So, Like old, the United States usually Like does. the US <laughs> do. Uh, so these countries essentially got together, got a big old map out of Africa, and started... Drawn, starting drawing, started planning, and a lot of these modern day African countries, their borders and their political boundaries are based off of this conference and this map that they drew, and it's total bullshit because these maps were drawn for economic interests alone. They took nothing into account from the uh, ethno-linguistic people there. You know, your village could be divided right. by countries and there's nothing you could do about it because like they were viewed as lesser people with lesser uh, powers. Right. And if you bring up a map with the uh, modern day boundaries of uh, Africa and then you look at the claims made by Belgium, Germany, Spain, Britain, all these entities, it's like it, they, they just match up really perfectly. Right. Like look at this shit. Yeah. Look at this fucking bad. shit. It's fucking crazy. It's, it's, it's pretty bad. It's like the, the borders are exact. Like almost exact, right? Yeah. And uh, and you gotta remember, most of this shit is fucking like desert or dense jungle where you just like don't know what's gonna go on there. But they fought tooth and nail over it. And they spent the next almost a hundred years just fucking pumping money out of these places and pumping money into these places as Steven said because we both we all know now hindsight uh, 2020 that imperialism was ultimately a failed endeavor right um, so I think we should talk now about uh, situations in uh, Africa post World War II that were direct results of imperialism right sure so uh, post World War II Africa, or post World War II, I guess imperialism, right? Yeah. Uh, one thing to really think about, and that kind of sets the stage for what happens, is that 
Every single country in Europe is bankrupt, besides Russia. Every single country is beaten down into just a pulp. Britain is done. Britain is... London's bombed to absolute crap. They don't have any money. France, they're doing okay in terms of... nothing. No, nowhere in France got super bombed. Paris is still intact. I mean, they really... They surrendered to Germany before Germany could bomb them. But not just um, like physically. We're talking about like economically. Economically, economically every single they country... They all got bombed out yeah, economically. <laughs> economically, every single country is more or less ruined. I mean, Germany's divided. Uh, Spain wasn't doing good for a while. Yugoslavia yeah. on the fucking scene, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Japan, we're, we pretty much have Japan... Like, we neutered Japan, yeah. dude. Um <laughs> So every single Euro- European country, for the most part, that was imperialist is struggling financially. And so because of that, uh, like we mentioned France before with Vietnam, the reason they had to pull out of Vietnam, the reason they had to lose pretty much all of their imperial uh, countries was because they, they could not afford to hold on to them anymore because they were so expensive. Yeah. And, and like, uh, specifically in Africa, you see in the late 40s, 50s, and 60s, the rise of African nationalism and uh, the independence movements and ultimately a lot of uh, wars of independence for a lot of these new countries. So, So after all these countries sort of fight tooth and nail to gain their independence, they do this really strange, unprecedented thing. This governing body is created. uh, The African Union, especially as modern day, very active. They essentially decided to maintain the imperial borders and uh, that's why the map looks exactly the same now why they did this is probably because the last hundred years these borders had had kind of been political economic and social boundaries for all these people so what was what they had now was not the origins and they decided the best thing they could do for the people now is just keep it going and this is where a lot of these terrible border disputes and modern-day uh, crises are happening in Africa. South Sudan splitting from Sudan. Uh, the entire Somali three-country situation, where modern-day Somalia is actually three countries, none of which have been accepted as individuals by the United Nations. And, you know, we see this all around. Congo is now two different countries, and... Uh, all of this stems from this Berlin conference. All these problems today and of the independence movement um, stem from the imperialist motives of Western Europe and the United States. And uh, imperialism is not dead today, especially not in Africa, as we see all the time. Uh, for example, China's interest in Africa is very abundant and very clear, especially around uh, the Lake Victoria countries. They're just coming in and taking resources, but promising these sort of like public works and uh, infrastructure developments that, yes, of course, countries need more infrastructure. They need more public works. But the Chinese are so out of touch politically with the African needs at the time. There are these... Miles and miles of African highways that nobody touches, nobody drives on. No one has a fucking car. But they don't have clean water a lot yeah. of times. Do you know what I mean? And it, it, these deals are made where they just suck 
Africa dry of their natural resources. Right. It was palm oil. It was rubber. It was oil. Now it's diamonds. You know, it's ivory. It's all this stuff. Yeah. And Africa just, like, they were put in a situation from imperialism where they didn't really get a chance to do their own state building. And now they're far behind and, and they have to take these deals. And it's like... Right. This political and economic imperialism. Right. And I think a lot of it also stems from a lot of a lot of problems persisting in Africa post World War Two to, to to present. Oh yeah, definitely. Com- comes from the fact that once these and once these uh, imperial nations left, the people who were left in charge were the people that were usually put in charge by the imperial countries. Um or they were people that gained power through some sort of backdoor dealings, through some sort of uh corrupt ways so now you have governments that are self-interested they're not interested in the overall uh well-being of the people of the state and so you have these things where they're just building massive amounts of highways right because like what looks really good building new highways you also got to remember that these people who are left in charge didn't last long most of the time right and that's why you have so many military coups and political coups in africa constantly and like it's almost a late night TV joke. It's like, hey, did you hear about Zaire? Not anymore. You know, and it's it's like actually really fucking sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so like these governments change hands so many times because Africa is sort of fixing itself. It's sort of healing its imperialist wounds. It it's not natural. It's a Frankenstein's monster of political interests and economic deals from the Western European countries from 150 years ago that are just now sort of like sorting themselves out. The issue in Darfur and the genocide and the South Sudan-Sudan split is a horrible thing to happen. But they needed to be two different countries because they didn't mesh. Um, There's lots of literature about the North with their Muslim kind of uh, sway and the South with a Christian sway. And now working, you have, like, entire populations of native people, like the Dinka, just being completely wiped out in these genocides because they just don't fit. That's what would happen if you had fucking, like, you know, I'm trying to think, like, what if the Polish and the fucking Italians had to be a same country? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, of course that wouldn't fucking work because they're goddamn two different cultures and two different peoples that have been around for thousands of years. Yeah, and... And it's I mean the, they're in the EU together. But you know what I thought. But, but like one single country, yeah, no, for sure. And it's we I think a lot of it also stems a lot of like like what the big thing is like we want to help Africa. Right? And I took this really interesting course in in, in college that was Africa post imperial or post imperial Africa. So it was like modern Africa. And the whole one of like the big point of the class was that we as a, we as a country and we as like the world leaders like the world leaders want to help Africa but the problem the problem stemmed from the fact that one the fact that we want to help Africa is causing more problems than good because it's making them seem like they need help they need they need like which they need the 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 hand of the of the more developed and more secure countries which kind of is imperialistic an imperialistic idea that you need help and two we don't know how to help africa no one like we don't get how to help africa because their culture is so different from our own 
So we read this really, really great book called Love in the Time of AIDS. And in that book, it talks about the fact that, so AIDS is a huge problem in many parts of Africa. And we don't understand how to help it. And it seems like nothing we are doing is helping because we don't know, we don't understand how relationships and sex and marriage work in that country because it's so vastly different than our own culture. And so if we understood it, maybe we could help it, but we have such this refusal to understand it because it's so different than our own culture and our own beliefs. So that's a huge problem with we like it's got it gotten to the point. It's I would say we're kind of moving away from this now, but it was at a point where we would just give them money because it was like we didn't know what else to do. We would just give them loads of money and say, here, you guys know what's best. But that money would usually not go to good things like you said building highways and then like that just go on and on and on or, or like funding like rebel groups right or something like really right. bad you know what i mean so i i i don't know exactly where i was going with that but imperialism is it's like such a touchy thing and i think i know where you're going with this it's because you you said something really interesting you said we talked about post imperialism africa and like there is no such thing as right. post-imperialism and Africa. Africa is imperialism. Like, right. it is imperialism put on a map and signed and dated in constitutions. And, like, you know, Africa, a lot of Africa is super beautiful and the people are amazing and the countries are safe and it's fine. But a lot of them aren't. And we hear about those in the news or we don't because we don't fucking care all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's just... Everything that is happening is a direct result of imperialism. Right. And we're talking just about Africa, but, like, that's how it is in Asia, too. That's how it is in, in Southeast Asia and Far East Asia. And everything's just kind of working itself out. And it works itself out in violent and non-direct ways a lot of the times. And that's where we get this negative image of, uh, you know, these post-quote-unquote imperial... Uh, states nowadays right but the thing about imperialism is that the only way to avoid imperialism is to just not get involved with a country at all so you mentioned that like we used to just give money or just give food or just give medicine and like these are really good things on paper and they sound really amazing they look good they look good and they make you feel good and I'm not saying we should stop giving medicine to lesser developed countries, uh, but that is a form of imperialism. And imperialism, you know, we talk about all the negatives, and like there are positives to imperialism, but like this is imperialism. And if we want imperialism to stop, the only way to do it is just to cut to cut all ties. And right. nobody's going to do that because we live in such a globalized world. So it's just going to keep fucking going, just keep on going. Right, and. Yeah, and I, 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 could, I could keep keep going on and on about this, but I feel like it's just one big like loop that we're going on. Yeah, this is exactly what I studied in college and what I have right. papers written on and books and volumes and things and and it's it's such a hot topic issue in modern history because it's current and you know even like racial te- you can like boil it down to even like racial tensions in the United States there from imperialism imperialism also includes the slave trade imperialism also includes colonialism you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and so it's it's sort of endemic of 
modern culture. Modern culture does not exist without imperialism. Everybody talks about cultural appropriation, but cultural appropriation doesn't really exist anymore because imperialism has mixed them all together so much that we do have individual cultures, but we also have this sort of world culture that we have. It's like so much of uh, South Carolina, where we are recording this right now, is culture is influenced by West African cultures. Oh, know? for sure. I mean, a lot of what are the food we eat is like it's it's it's, it's straight Ghanaian. Food yeah, a lot of yeah, the times, and that's because of imperialism, right? It's because and and so you know you were talking about colonialism being imperialism, which I totally agree with, uh, and. And imperialism is like it's it's something that if we look at history as a whole, it's, it was constantly happening. Uh, uh, so one thing I could I think I want to end on is uh, so we, we we talked about imperialism, American imperialism, Japanese imperialism, and Western European imperialism, but there's lots of other imperialism. There's lots of other imperialism. What's what's something? Uh, you know, you can think of that's like like a like a like a time period in history where imperialism was prevalent, but we don't tend to think of it being prevalent. I would. It might be controversial, but I would say um, the Zionist movement into Israel and the uh, sort of Palestinian Israel situation sure. is a result of imperialism. Yeah, so that's something that people don't really think about a lot. Right, for sure. I mean, well, it was it was so messy. It's still messy. I mean, it's still super messy, but, like, the fact that we pretty much, we we, we we kicked a whole group of people out of their homeland, and it it's, I know the Middle East is something that, I mean, we, we talk about not understanding a country, we don't understand, like... No, definitely. Like, it's... And there's a whole nother brand of Middle East imperialism that right. we didn't really touch that much on, but uh, it, it's very similar to African in... And East Asian imperialism, where like European countries just kind of went in and were like, fucking look yeah. at all this tobacco that they can grow here, and look yeah. at all the coffee they can grow, and yeah. oil everywhere, kind of thing, you know. So, you right. know, that's what modern imperialism is in America. It's our interests in the Middle East. Right. Oh, black bag! <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, yeah. Stephen, you think we should, uh, we should uh, blow on out of here? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we could. We were getting into a rambling state. Rambling. I think we were we were just kind of rambling and we were uh, rambling a little bit. Uh, but I want to say uh, there's lots of great literature out there, and uh, lots of people have written on imperialism. Lots of very interesting takes on what imperialism is, and that's uh, it's something that we still don't understand, and it's something that it's gonna. I don't think we're ever gonna fully understand. Definitely. You know, it's it's a very complex. Uh, issue and uh, yeah, I think uh, man, this was an interesting episode because we didn't have a really roadmap we were going down. We yeah, kind of started more talking just like a methods kind of history class, right? For sure. Uh, Required but, readings. Go read things fall apart. Go read oh, Heart of Darkness. Go read Wild Thorns. Go read So Long a Letter. Um, yeah, there's a. There's this graphic novel that I read called Abina and the Important Men. You can blow through it in like 45 minutes or an hour. I have a copy of it. You have a copy of it? Yeah, Yeah, it's good. It's really, really good. And 
it talks a lot about the the uh, the issue, the gender issues that. Oh no! I was just saying it, it focuses on gender issues and uh, while also racial issues as well, but it's focused around gender issues in imperialist Africa. And these are more like literary sources, yes. sort of narratives. But there's tons of written works by like so many scholars. Yeah. Go per- look. Go read anything from Pankhurst. Uh, go read anything from any East African scholar. Go read anything yeah. from any South African scholar. Um, there, there's so many uh, resources out there for this because it's one of the biggest subjects of modern historical study. Purple Hibiscus, Purple is, Hibiscus. is a novel that is incredible. I read it in uh, like a night, I think. I just kind of blew through it. It's really, really good, and there's lots of layers to it that can be unpacked. Um, but yeah, so lots of stuff to read, lots of required reading. Uh, the quiz is on Friday. The quiz is on it's Friday. It's not open book, but it no. is open notes, so yeah. take some good notes. Take some good notes. It's going to be all IDs. All IDs. Yeah. Uh, but that's... True or false. Yeah, that, that, that's it for us, I think. I think we're going to wrap things up here. I know it was a shorter shorter history hangout. It was like 40-something minutes. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, it's easy listening. <laughs> not really. But, uh, uh, yeah, we'll be back to our regular scheduled program next week. Uh, where we're going to be talking about countries that made a big impact or states that made a big impact or cities that made a big impact on the world. Bye! (laughs) Is that how we're ending it? Yeah, just end it, dude. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you guys later. Uh, I'm not going to do my plugs this week. Good. Yeah, Dave's happy. Let's get out of here. Uh, Yeah, we're going to get out of here. We love you guys. Happy history. Good scroll. Peace! Peace!